0: A playlist original.
1: Hello, and welcome back to season two of the Breakfast Book Club podcast. We've taken a little bit of an extended hiatus as I moved house, finished university, and started working full time, which, as you can imagine, takes up a lot of time. Oh, I also got a puppy, so everything's been a little crazy around here, but I'm so glad to be back and recording an episodes again. And this week, we are starting on a high with the amazing Natasha Lawn. If you haven't read Natasha's book, Conversations on Love, you are going to want to as soon as you finish this episode. Natasha is so insightful and just an incredible guest. We had an amazing conversation. I did say at the start of this episode that I wanted to keep all the episodes to be half an hour, but I just got carried away chatting to Natasha and we might have ran over a little bit. Um, before we get into the episode, Natasha and I discuss... Trigger warnings, the loss of a sibling and suicide are discussed in the episode. They're handled sensitively, but if you'd rather not listen to them, please do skip this episode and I will see you next week. So I'm going to stop going on and without further ado, here is the first episode of season two. Hi Natasha, how are you?
0: I'm good.
1: Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest. Um, I know we tried to do this last season, but you're both wasn't out yet so it's great to have you here now.
0: Yeah and it's nice because um, it's been out for a few months now so it, the dust has settled on everything and now it's just really fun to talk about the topic and, and reflect back on it all.
1: Yeah, well, what was it
0: like having a book come out? How did that feel? Well it was strange obviously because it's a bit of an odd year to have a book out in the it's locked so normally you'd be doing lots and lots of events and all those kind of things which obviously you're not doing but I was very lucky that bookshops were open so it was still a huge thrill to go and visit all my local bookshops and see it sometimes in the window and see kind of people picking it up and browsing so that was you know that's the cliche pinch me moment but it is as good as you think it is walking in yeah. and seeing your book. Um, But I just feel very lucky because it's such a wonderful topic that you can never reach the bottom of because I think maybe if I was doing I don't know about um, a topic that was less of a mystery, I would get bored talking about it. But with love, I feel almost the more I learn, the less I know. And so even though I've spent four years thinking about this topic, I've still got so many questions and perhaps even more questions than I started out with. So it's just a joy talk about the topic in more detail really.
1: Yeah definitely I imagine when you were like doing the interviews I don't know if you went in with set questions but you probably could have gone on and on and on with like trying to tweak out
0: little bits of information. Yeah and and some of the people I've been speaking to on and off for years so it felt that although I was interviewing them specifically for this book I've been having conversations about love with them in some shape or form for years so yes it was very tricky to, to try and pin it down into a conversation on the page um, but in the end there was very clear sort of theme or you know in every conversation there'd be one answer or one little nugget of wisdom that when they were speaking I'd be like that's it and that would be the kind of golden thread running through them so it was quite organic in that way Yes. Yeah. And um, that definitely comes through in the book, but we will talk about it a little bit more, a little bit later. What are you currently reading? So I'm currently reading Things We Do Not Tell The People We Love by Huma Qureshi. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her writing. She wrote an amazing, have, have you read any of her? Yes, so I read her How, we Met? How We Met, yes, yes, and I absolutely loved it it's brilliant isn't it so for any listeners who are not familiar that was a memoir about how she met her husband and it was a bit about their relationship her relationship with her mother and dating and and kind of understanding herself um but this is fictional and it's a collection of short stories and it does explore love um in various different ways and it's about family relationships and Kind of romance, romance and self understanding, kind of a similar themes to her memoir, but they're just so intense and beautifully written, um, and somehow they tie together. Like uh, even though it's short stories, I feel like they hang together so beautifully as a whole. And obviously, in the um, in in motherhood, there I don't have as long to read. Um, so I love dipping in and out of this and I'm just a massive fan of her writing. I would recommend it to anybody who is a fan of short stories. Short stories are definitely something
1: I want to start reading more of. So we recently got a puppy, which obviously is not the same as a baby. However, oh, it's a she, take, <laughs> she takes up a lot of time. Every time I open the book, it's like she knows and she's like, oh, I want to chew that. That's mine now. She's like, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, no, I'm not reading.
0: So, Sure stories um, might be the way forward. <laughs> I think you'll love this if you loved How We Met. And also it's a gorgeous cover. It's got strawberries on the front. I'm looking at it now. Um, and she's just, I have actually interviewed her recently for Conversations on Love, the newsletter. And she is a writer who is so, who, who is very passionate about asking questions about how we love in a way that, I it's just very honest it's not neat and it's not easy and sometimes it you know there's there's one ending of one of the stories where huh, I was left sort of gasping and, and and hanging off the edge of her words um I don't want to give too much away but yes I would thoroughly recommend it I'm, I'm nearly at the end and I love it that's always good when you're still at the end and you're still still raving <laughs> yes yes and I'm really excited I think she's working on a novel next I'm, you know when you uh, find a writer and you fall in love with their words and it's so exciting when they're still writing and you're living at the same time as them and you probably know that you're going to be reading them for a long long time that's that's how I feel about her I think yeah as soon as I read um, How We
1: Met I was like I love this mm. um, so I can't wait to get my hands on the collection of short stories was so I know you're supposed to pre-order author's books however after being through not being able to go to bookshops I'm like I just want to go down on release day and just pick up a book so I'm like yeah do I pre-order do I like it's quite selfish that just I <laughs> want be, to go uh... in and pick up the book instead
0: of pre-ordering because I know it makes such a huge difference well, what I do, um, I don't know if all bookshops is my local independent called Book Bar. I pre-order with them and then I go and pick it up. So
1: oh, that's yeah. the best
0: of both worlds. I don't know if everybody offers that service. So
1: I've just moved house and there's actually an independent bookshop about four minutes away. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't been yet. So when I go in, I'm definitely going to ask, do they
0: pre-order books
1: in? And that that'll be a perfect way around it. <laughs>
0: Yeah because I agree with you it's so I think that not having that for a while has made all of us appreciate how nice it is just to be inside a bookshop. Yes. Any excuse to now just go and browse and it's just a special space isn't it?
1: Definitely like it's just I love when you go in you're like you're not quite sure what you're looking for. I always find it obviously in so like if you go into Waterstones. someone always comes over to you and says oh can i help you And i'm like i don't know what i want yes <laughs> <laughs> i need a good 10 minutes to just take all this in and then i'll probably remember what i came in for but for now i'm just gonna stare at all the shelves
0: <laughs> and walk around yeah. yeah i used to do that because i'm um, i work in central london kind of near piccadilly waterstones and often on my lunch was having a stressful day i just go and wander around and it just lowers my shoulders by an inch you know it just makes you feel peaceful definitely
1: um so I'm currently reading Nothing I Wouldn't Do by Sarah Ella Osbeck which I'm really enjoying um I've never heard of this. so the cover is gorgeous Mm. and it's so it's contemporary fiction and how's best to sum up it's about friendship in your late 20s and it's given, this is a cheap comparison because I've just had friendship in your late 20s. So it's given me like Olive by Emma Gannon vibes. Right. But it's, I suppose it is probably similar. Everybody's life's like broken off and it's, everyone's from something different and her friend's getting married and she's not too happy because she's scared that she's going to be left alone. But now there's, something's happened with the groom. I don't want to give anything away and she's trying to protect her friend from it but I'm definitely enjoying it
0: and is it is she an English writer
1: I think she is um says at the front actually American born raised in London
0: right okay oh I haven't Um, heard of that one so that's a good recommendation
1: yeah definitely really enjoying that one so far and it's got like quotes I I always love when quotes are from authors who I love and the ones on the front of from Emma Jane Unsworth and Lucy Vine. I was like, okay, this is going to be my well, kind of cool. book.
0: <laughs> I love Emma. Her, her writing is amazing. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so what would
1: you say is your most important book? So this is the bulk of the podcast. <laughs> I know.
0: When I saw this question, I was thinking, oh my goodness. But um, for me, it has to be Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Have you, have you read it? no no you're in for such (laughs) a treat I'm very jealous of you're reading it for the first time um but it is a collection of her agony aunt essays so she used to write um a column called dear sugar that started off at the rumpus actually I think it might have ended up there um and it was just a kind of straightforward agony aunt column but she would use her personal stories as a sort of in she would be telling a story about her life and you would sometimes think where's where's this going? How is this going to relate back to the problem? And each answer is almost like a beautiful short story and an amazing advice column and a just lyrical, beautiful piece of writing all run into one. And as you read, as you sort of read the answers, you're kind of getting glimpses. It's almost like half a memoir in a way because you're getting glimpses into her life and she has lived an extraordinary life. Um, but if ever I'm feeling a bit lost or something sad has happened to me, or I just need a bit of an emotional pep talk, I will return to this book again and again. And there is always something I find in it that makes me, that sort of takes me to a place inside myself where I know what matters. And there are also just so many sentences that you want to underline because they're so beautiful in a way that makes you think why would I ever bother to write anything because she's so (laughs) she's such a beautiful writer and she doesn't always pick straightforward problems some of them you might be inclined to judge the person um or you know somebody who wasn't as skilled as her might kind of have judgment in her answers but she's always so generous and open-hearted um in the way she responds to people and she you know I don't have problems that are anywhere near as big as some of the people that that wrote to her but in every answer you find some thread of hope or love or resilience that just you know without sounding cheesy it just makes you feel really grateful to be alive and living on this earth and I love books that are able to do that
1: yeah um that sounds incredible Honestly I would
0: (laughs) I would say obviously it's my most important book but every person I also it's the book that I buy for every friend and every person who I've given it to also has a similar feeling and I think it was one of those books you know it's a huge huge bestseller that it was passed on and on and on between people like a precious gift.
1: Yeah well that is actually a very good segue into talking about your book because your book is I think one of those books that people are going to want to give to their friends and underline everything um so I was going back through it this morning and I was like why didn't I underline anything like I'd folded (laughs) over a few pages and I was like this seems like something I'd underline I was like oh wait I was going to pass it on and I didn't want my thoughts like my highlights or anything to take away from what they read because I think every single person who reads conversations on love will take away something completely different to the next person I think even if you were to read it at different points in your life you'd take it'd be like reading a different book because you went oh I didn't notice that last time because it wasn't applicable to me
0: I felt that a little bit writing it because so for anyone listening the book is divided into three sections which is how do we find love? How do we sustain love? And how do we survive when we lose love? And I already think in the space of thinking about the book and writing about and writing it, I have moved between those sections multiple times. And probably right now, I am in the how do we sustain love section, where I'm really thinking about how I can retain my friendships as a new mother, uh, especially with friends who've got different life experiences to me in this moment, how I can try and keep my romantic relationship going and put effort into that when a lot of effort has to go into raising a baby. And so that, that's the sort of question I'm asking. But when I was writing the book, I was trying to think about losing love and I was probably more in that section. So yeah, my hope is that I think we're all going to be moving between those three questions for our entire lives. Um, and so hopefully it can offer comfort at different points. And I certainly do return to those conversations for a little bit of help myself.
1: Yes, I think that's definitely what um, everyone is, well, is not is going to. Everyone will be taken from it when they read it. Um, did you
0: have a like favorite interview, interviewee? I think different conversations I need different conversations at different points but so probably my favorite right now is um the Heather Havrileski conversation which is in the finding love section um and she just talks so beautifully about what it means to love another person and as somebody who spent the first part of their life really wondering about how they could be loved and you know I was spent decades thinking when will I find someone to love me will I ever be loved Um, and actually now I understand that loving another person is just as rewarding if not sometimes more rewarding than being loved and she spoke just beautifully about how loving somebody is really about bringing out their vulnerability and complexity and embracing all of their strange annoying funny quirks and seeing understanding that the whole of all those things is more beautiful than the perfect ideal person who never makes a mistake and never moans about their back and never irritates you (laughs) yeah
1: that's true because I think you like sort of grow up watching these tv shows and films and it's like oh there's going to be a perfect person they won't be annoying they'll always do the dishes and there'll be a cup of tea every morning you're like
0: it's not really real life nobody always does the dishes <laughs> That's and impossible. Also, you know, you're going through a house move at the moment I'm sure you have um situations where you're trying to move with somebody and you're snapping at each other and it's just a high stress situation and I guess what the book taught me is that like Alan de Bottle uses the model of parents and kids where we say our kids are so annoying, I want to break from them, I'm so tired of them. And we understand that that doesn't mean that we love them any less. And I think that the same is true of our partners, But maybe we don't have as much permission to admit that we expect that we'll always feel blissfully in love with them all the time. And yeah, actually that conversation with Heather just made me see, I mean, she uses the example of her husband complaining about his back and she's got a bad neck but she doesn't complain because she's pretty tough. And she said, if I try and say, I didn't complain about my neck, so you shouldn't complain about your back. That is the death of love. And actually you can't just expect somebody to react or behave exactly as you would because they have a different way of getting through the day. And, and you can't try to squash that. And I think that's so useful. I think about it all the time when my husband does something and I will be like, well, I would have done it like this. Yes, but that's not you. You just can't force somebody to behave in exactly the way you would. And actually, we're attracted to people. You know, I wouldn't want to date myself in any way, (laughs) shape, or form. So why do I then get irritated if I don't understand why he's done something a certain way? So yeah, I find that conversation very helpful.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely agree with
0: what you say. Um, I think it was yesterday. I said to my
1: boyfriend, like oh, so we're living out of essentially one room at the minute because there's just boxes everywhere And I was like oh, I can't wait till I can have a space and you just won't be there and I was like, like I mean that in the best possible way like I just need 10 minutes away yeah <laughs> and, not... and
0: also um she sort of pulling it out into an even bigger um way of seeing it she helped me to understand that So doing that if you can take all somebody's vulnerability and annoying comments and quirks and just like the mess of what it takes to be a human you can look at that and understand that it's more beautiful than the perfect person it's the same thing you have to do with your life so you have to look at your life and all the mess and all the boring bits and all the kind of rejections and all the mistakes and the jobs you didn't all that mess of life if you can understand that that continuously fold unfolding experience she calls it's more beautiful than a perfect pristine life like that's really what it means to be happy and so practicing loving people for for not in spite of their flaws is also a way of practicing to be happy more generally I think
1: yeah that makes sense
0: <laughs> it's a bit it's, I know it's yes. a, it's a <laughs> profound comment but um Whenever I read that paragraph, I feel like she sort of nails, yeah, what it means to try to be happy.
1: Yeah, that, like in every interview, those, or conversation, there's always like a, a line or a few lines and you're like, this is applicable to everything. Like every situation, this, what they've just said applies. It's not just the situation that they're discussing at the moment it applies across the board which is brilliant
0: yeah and I think people I suppose we all know that love is important to us or, or most of us do know that love is at the center of our lives but I think the way that we act or our behavior doesn't always reflect how important it is like I know beyond the doubt that At the end of my life, I will be thinking about the people I loved and how I loved them and and wanting more time with them. And yet in the day to day basis, I'm stressing about work. I'm thinking that we haven't done enough with this, or that, you know, just a million other things are coming into my head. And so if you looked at the way I behaved in that day, you wouldn't necessarily know how important love was. So I think that what the conversations are doing in the way you said, in that broad way of making you think beyond that person's story it's hopefully just reminding us to follow through on what we already know to be true which is that love is the most if not well one of the most important things and we need to keep pushing back on ourselves and finding a way to prioritize it when we get too distracted
1: yeah um I also loved
0: how we talked about like friendship
1: as like a main love not just oh yeah we're friends I love my friends let's move on like <laughs> it often gets forgotten doesn't it like you when you talk about love you assume you just mean romantic love and not the little intricacies of people you love day to day without actually going oh I like you don't have that moment
0: where you sit with a friend
1: and go I, th- I think I love this friend it just you just sort of do.
0: I I feel I do at the moment because it has been more rare that I don't know about you, but since I've sort of seen friends in the last um, few months, just sitting around a table with your favourite people and having a glass of wine or talking or whatever it is, now I come away from that feeling how much I've missed it and how vital it is and how I almost feel like on a high on the walk home and yeah i i do say i love you all the time to friends um and i do have that feeling but certainly in the past i have probably taken that for granted
1: yeah i think that's what like the pandemic has taught us like i used to meet up with my friends every friday night um even if we'd just go to someone's house and have a takeaway every friday we'd do something and obviously then the pandemic hit me like oh what do we do and then now it's sort like trying to get that back going again mm-hmm. because everyone's lives have obviously changed and yet like, well surely how do we how do we do this <laughs> how did we used yeah. to fit this in it's like well we just did because it was a routine so let's just get the routine back and we'll yeah <laughs> we'll just be having back to normal
0: some, <laughs> having some sort of consistency is really important I think but it gets harder and harder I tell you how how old are you? I know you're 26. Yeah, see, it gets harder and harder <laughs> in your 30s. I'm 36. Um, and it does become much more complicated. And I think you just have to work harder and harder to find your own level of consistency.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely what we've found as well. Like one of my friends has two young children, so she's like, Well, if we're doing anything, you've got to come to me because I've got to do bedtime. We're like, right, okay. So yeah. we go going there. So who's ringing this? Who's ringing that? And then it's like, oh well, no, because I've got a family commitments. Like, oh, hang on a minute. We went into this yeah. pandemic and we were 23, 24, and we had absolutely no issue, like no other commitments. And now we're like, oh, we've grown up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and we just didn't realize because we were stuck inside.
0: Yeah. I, am, I almost now forget how old I am because I feel like I've lost the year. Like, I'm like, I thought I was 35, now I'm 36. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the you, last like, year didn't count. Yeah, like, how
1: old am I? Like, I still feel 24 because that's mm. how old I was at the very beginning of the pandemic. I'm like, oh, I'm going to What's happened?
0: <laughs> crazy. But, yeah, it wasn't just um, not only friendship, though, in terms of thinking about, like, hierarchy of love. I guess I did go into it thinking I'll prioritize friendship and fam and parent and parental love um but actually I ended up exploring even more forms of it like love between siblings more obviously but also love between strangers and the kind you know the love that exists in the kindness that people can show each other when they're vulnerable um and also love in purpose and creating something that others connect to and even love in nature and um, just so many different forms of it it kind of expanded my idea of love into this big boundless thing
1: yeah so I actually put the book down halfway through because when I got to the sibling love because I lost my younger brother a few years ago and I was like oh I am I was doing my final uni exams and I was like I cannot read this and revise it in the same day um but I remember reading it thank you um I remember reading it and being like this is exactly like how I feel like someone someone said it (laughs) Mm, mm, especially like the like the chapter towards the end about the loss of the imagined future that I was like this just sums it up because I've I've been like oh well this'll happen and then this'll happen suddenly when that was taken away I was like well now like Patrick will never get married I took someone to say to me well he might not have wanted to that's your idea and I was like oh yeah
0: Mm. I don't know yeah but you're like but yeah it doesn't change that you just want to know either way yeah do you feel your grief has changed shape or Because I I suppose a lot of what that section was covering is that grief isn't something that you get over. It's something that lives inside you. And in that way, like the love you shared will always be part of you. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I think one thing that I like quite struggled with was as time was going on, I never wanted to like say to people like, oh, it's been like, so it's been almost six years now. And I was like, I don't really want to tell people that because I don't. When you say, like, oh, it's been a year or two, people go, you know, like, take all the time you need if you need to leave, whatever. And I was like, I just want people to just think, oh, it's been six years, like, over it. Like, (laughs) that's not how it works. Um, I don't
0: feel that now at all because I've spoken to people who lost somebody 20 years ago and they say, it feels like 100 years ago and it feels like yesterday.
1: Yeah it's it's such a strange thing that I think you don't until you've like gone through the years even now like something will happen now but oh that's new mm. <laughs> like I thought which had all those
0: new bits
1: yeah but it just changes shape
0: and do you find yourself drawn towards stories of grief or do you feel that you want to explore that topic more and you and you're drawn to books about that, or if that's not because a lot of the people I've spoken to found that it did open them up to other people who'd experienced loss in some way, and they were kind of able to connect to people on a on a slightly different level. Um, I think I'm getting more towards
1: that. Um, which took a while to like want mm. to read it. So I actually seen you comment on tandem's post about trigger warnings and how mm like whether they should be in books or not and i was reading a book recently so my brother committed suicide and there was no well there was a warning at the beginning Where i didn't yeah. read it i just sort of glossed over it i was like yeah there's my was warnings. it in
0: i'm really interested to see where people was it in the kind of inside page or was it yes yeah, so it was, it was right before the title page okay
1: yeah but then it, so like there was a large header saying trigger warning And then, like a smaller font. So I thought, yeah, like that is probably the way to do it because you see it. If you want to read it, it's there. If you don't, so did you just read it? So I think I'd read it and I was like, yeah, fine, great. Like it says, like suicide is in the book, but it was right at the very end. So by the time I'd got to the end, I'd sort of stopped anticipating it and I was like, oh, this is a great book. And it was, it was, it was like a shocking. End into the book. I won't say what it is because right. it'll give it away <laughs> I've told yeah. the class. Um and I was like, oh, I was like, there should have been a warning on this. And I was like, oh wait, there was.
0: <laughs> you read it. <laughs> yeah. That, do you think you just decided when you read that that you were happy to read onwards anyway, or do you think you weren't quite taking it in? I think I just thought right, okay, it's
1: it's in the book. That's fine. Like I know yeah. it's there where I have read books in the past and I've sort of gone oh like where that like suicide's been the twist
0: and Mm. you're like you're building up to it and
1: you're like oh I think I know what's coming here and then you're like oh that yeah that's the twist but should I have known about that (laughs) that probably would have helped. It's
0: so interesting because I have to say before the tandem um post I'd honestly never ever seen a trigger warning in a book and I'm, maybe there have been them and I just haven't noticed them but I it's something that I never even have heard of or thought about I guess the only place I've really seen trigger warnings would be on Instagram posts um yeah. so yeah it, it's something that I had never had experience of but now can see that it makes total sense
1: yeah I'd never heard of them till like joining bookstagram and obviously seeing everyone's posts with trigger warnings. Mm. And then I was like, oh. And I will hold my hands up. I need to get better at putting trigger warnings at the start of my post. But I always feel a little bit like, I don't I I don't have authority to be like, you will be triggered by this. Like if it's not at the yeah. front of a booth. I'm like, well, I, I don't mm. know. Like if you don't experience it, like I can read one thing and be like, that's fine. But somebody who's lived it will go, this is like traumatic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, it's very, it's easy once you have experienced a thing to understand, to, to kind of feel you have the authority. So if, you know, I now understand that if I was going into detail about a miscarriage for somebody who has had a miscarriage, I can completely understand how that would feel but you're right in that where there's kind of an area that you're unclear of, sometimes you think, who am I to say that that is level enough for it to be a trigger one? I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah. complicated, but it's definitely something that I want to think about um, and that I feel bad that I didn't even consider or, or wasn't really sure that it was an option, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, I know I read a book recently and at the beginning there was a traumatic birth scene. Right. And I read it and I was like, that's horrific I have never given birth didn't give it too much more thought and when I posted me review someone commented and said I thought there needed to be a trigger warning at the start of that book because that was a lot and I was like oh yeah well you're mm. a parent you would know like
0: that is that is a lot gosh birth is horrific let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so harsh But uh, yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting discussion.
1: So moving on, because I think I'm taking up a lot of your time. um, What would be your most anticipated read?
0: So the the next book on my reading list, which I'm so excited. I was actually about to hold it up. I realise the video is not on here. Um, It's These Precious Days by Anne Patchett. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she has written a lot of fiction and she also wrote a collection of essays called This is the Story of a Happy Marriage, which is one of my favourite books of all time. And she, this is kind of a new collection of essays and memoir. Some of um, them are things I think she's written before, like there's one essay on um, her not wanting children. I think it's about people asking about it. Um, There's more about her relationship. a breakup and just I love her approach to non-fiction and she just has a way of structuring memoir and essays that's so beautiful and so I can't wait to read it you know I I feel like I'm pretty sure I will love it you know hopefully I won't be disappointed but one (laughs) of those books you sort of know the writer well enough to trust them and there's a big chance that you're going to fall in love with that book so I've been saving that one as a treat for myself and it's out 23rd of November with Bloomsbury so yes I'm very excited that's going to be my reward to myself when I've finished all my work yeah <laughs> um
1: so my next read what's well, a September read let's say so we we're recording this in September um is Detransition Baby by Tori Peters which... yeah, good one everyone just raised about it. and it was one of the ones where I went into a bookshop and it was there and I was like I've been wanting to read that and like just buy it stop looking at it just just buy it
0: yes I have heard amazing things about that and apparently it's a real uh like it's a really fun read like real page turner fun read
1: yeah that's definitely what I need right now just nothing too heavy while I'm surrounded by all of these boxes <laughs> well
0: I look for hopefully you'll do an insta review and I,
1: I look forward yeah to that. <laughs> Um, so that brings us towards the end. So I have two quick, quick fire questions for you. And the first one is who would be your three bookish dinner guests?
0: Gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Bookish dinner Okay. I would have to say, have to say Cheryl Strayed. Um, she's my most important book, but I have interviewed her once. And even that 45 minutes on the phone Six years ago is a conversation I'm still thinking about. So I would love to have her around the table. Um, I would then say, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Um, <laughs> Hilary Mantel, I would say, again, I have interviewed her and she's just almost otherworldly. Like she, it's almost like she's got this aura around her where she feels like not quite. A, of this world um that sounds strange but i can't explain it in any other way like that and actually the way she talks about writing and being inhabited like sort of taken over by her characters is almost a bit mystical um and i adore her writing and she's just a fascinating woman i think who has lived a lot and is also unafraid to voice her opinion on anything so i would i have a lot of questions for her And third one, maybe I would say bell hooks because all about love is kind of like, to me, it's almost like the Bible on love (laughs) and relationships and it's so warm and generous and I feel like it really opened the door for a lot of different books on the topic of love um, that wouldn't be here without her and yeah, I've just seen people talk about meeting her and talk about her as a person, and they all rave about her. So I feel like I feel like those three would be a great combination.
1: Yeah, Jared, who are you, were who are your three? So my my three changed last season so much because Josh used to steal people off everybody, <laughs> um, but my like core people were Dolly Alderton. Reese spoon and Michelle Obama
0: oh wow that would be a fun combination
1: yeah um but I I'm just so incisive I change mine every single day
0: <laughs> I I will probably think of a completely different combination off the back of this yeah. I am um, I watched re- I rewatched Legally Blonde on the weekend and Reese is just so good in it so
1: yeah. fun. I know I after she done like a Real on Instagram where she was just floating across the pool on a lilo. I saw that. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, need to watch it. <laughs> so good, so good. And final question: What would be your desert island book
0: and a breakfast? Desert island book and a breakfast. Okay, so breakfast would be hash browns for sure. I'm obsessed with yeah. hash browns. I have them like with everything. Um, I would say bacon sandwich on white bread with ketchup side of hash browns. That's my, that's my breakfast. Um, very simple. And then I feel like my desert island books would be tiny, beautiful things because that's already my most um, important book of all time. But if I had to pick a second one, I would probably say this is a story of a happy marriage. Um, because it also, if I was on a desert island, I probably would try and find a paper and pen and do some writing. And there's an essay in there which is possibly one of the most useful essays on writing and it's called the getaway car and i would recommend that to anyone who is struggling to write um and it always makes me somehow put pen to paper or hand to keyboard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well
1: thank you so much for being a guest um this has been such an amazing conversation so thanks again
0: yeah thank you so much um and yes i love your love your instagram so once you're moved out of the way i look forward to seeing what <laughs> thank you so much for listening
1: to this episode of the breakfast book club if you've enjoyed the episode please leave a review as it helps other people to find the podcast hopefully i will see you back here first thing monday morning for the next episode bye